Hey everybody, welcome to back to the Autoholic. Uh, today, Stephen and I are joined by our good buddy Ross McLaughlin, who had a great idea to get us to set up another little series here. We're going to call this one "Shift Talkers," and uh, you know, we're 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 going to probably every other week we're going to sit down and each of us is going to bring some interesting Craigslist finds to the table. We'll come up with some categories and, uh, you know, uh, maybe pick a winner, but uh, we'll see how it goes and see if you guys like it. So, uh, Ross, Ross, this was your idea. So why don't you tell us a little more about what you had in mind for tonight? Yeah. So the idea would be um, maybe each week we all pick a category. This time I pick them all. Um, We're going to go through our local Craigslist and find a car that fits each category, and we're going to discuss them all. Um, Maybe we choose something we like the most. Uh, There's no real real criteria for what constitutes the best, whether we want to buy it or whether it's the most interesting. Who knows? Like, it's 2021. There's no rules in this year. Uh, But the three categories this week would be 1970s Americana, under $15,000. The goal there being that maybe these are a little bit more obscure cars, not your 1972 Hemi Cudas. Uh, <laughs> 1980s Mercedes, uh, that's an ode to Stephen and Ryan here, to uh, big fans of such types of cars. Um, it's easy and to fall. fall and two W123 owners. Yeah, two W123 owners. Uh, we should just change this channel to W123 <laughs> Anonymous. Yeah. Welcome to Porsche Talk and W123 uh, Wizards. <laughs> you know, kind of... I need to get on that. <laughs> you got to join the uh, the club, Ross. Yeah, I've been looking at them. You sent a good option in New Jersey today. Right. There's a few out there. And the, the third category would be something that I know we all love. And by we all, I mean Ryan and I. I don't know about yeah, this. I'm not, I'm not quite on the... Uh, uh, on the boat, yeah. 1990s pickups, which really implies American pickups, but we'll see what everybody has. Yeah, I'm noticing a theme. You know, we're working our way through the decades with uh, a few yeah. specific categories, but I, yeah. I like it. I like that too, and I think maybe as we go forward, we could we could continue to do that, do different decades, and you know, switch around the the countries, pricing. or right pricing or whatever. But like the idea of looking at things from different different years, and so what I'm hoping we can do with this, guys, is that we bring a little bit of like something interesting to note about the cars that we bring to the table, not just like, hey, there's this car, you know. So when I get my turn to talk about mine, I, I attempted to do that. So we'll see if I have any success <laughs> yeah. or not. So so because our our, our our huge fan base is curious. We're working through the process here. I'm right. thinking that we, we present our cars and maybe give a, a two-minute overview of the listing and the, the research we may have done. Um, and, then, and then we all, we all get to talking about it. And, uh, well, yeah, we're not so, all just talking shift here. Yeah, we're not talking no. shift. <laughs> Boy, that was so cheesy. <laughs> I think with I think with the listings that we we, we chose, there's not going to be much shifting being done. Uh, not, not this week. Not I'm, this week. I'm super. I'm like expecting Ryan to pick. You know, uh, find the ones that are all manual. Also, not, not the case. So. Some context Steven, for the listener. Oh, you want Stephen to go first? Yeah, Stephen should kick us off with his, uh, with his, with his. Uh, well, which category? I think we should go category. We start with category. the Americana, and just to say, Stephen is searching from the New York City area Craigslist. Uh, I am from the 
San Francisco Bay Area Craigslist, and Ryan is from the the lovely state of Rhode Island in the Providence Plantations. Although that name is officially changed. <laughs> you threw that in there. Right, and I didn't quite get that memo, so mine be, might be a little bit more spread out. But. <laughs> this, this week. This okay. week. Um, whoops. Here we go. So Steven's car is a 1970 Olds Toronado. Take me, take us away. Yeah. So here we have an Oldsmobile uh, Toronado. Uh, it's currently listed for 13 and a half grand on Craigslist, somewhere north of Boston. So if you are in the market for a 1970s Americana car under 15 grand, this might be the car for you. Uh, it's showing. Oh, the color is amazing. It's in, uh, I don't know the original name of the color. Uh, I don't even know if it's the original color of the car, but it kind of looks like it is. Um, it's in a, a very metallic brown, which makes me feel like it's not the original paint. Um, but it's gorgeous um, with a, uh, a tan vinyl roof as well. Um, so it, the Tornado is a two-door two car actually more of a short wheel base for this era. So not as big as, as some of the other classic Americana cars. Especially for a seven. Do you know how long it is? Uh, the wheel base length, uh, not off the top of my head. I could pull it up. I did have uh, some of the stats with me. Um, let's see here, wheel base length. It is 119 inches. Well, that and that's just wheelbase. That's not the full length of the car, the right? The full length is uh, for the seventy. Got up to two hundred and fourteen inches, two hundred and fifteen. That's a big car, dude. What do you mean? That's it, I'm not saying it's small, but like you but know, you got you to remember this isn't like a nineteen seventy seven. This is a seventy. So yeah, and that's the other thing. This is the last year. This is the first generation of the Tornado. So the car was originally released in nineteen sixty six. So this is actually. I'm a little cheating here because this is kind of a 60s design, but I saved myself because in 1970, the body style changed. And actually, I might ask you to show the generation uh, of car, you know, when it was released in 1966, and then show the generation of 1971, because, you know, there is quite a difference. And I think the 70 is the year to have. I think it's the best looking. So in 1965, when it was released, it had these uh, hidden away uh, headlights. And had a little sharper of a look, almost like a, I guess maybe like a Buick Skylark kind of. Uh, there, there's something a little exotic about this one. You know, very sporty, but also very luxurious looking. Um, so in 1970, they got rid of the hideaway headlamps. And I think it just gives it a lot more of a, a smoother, more modern look to it. When I think of the Tornado, I think of the 1970. I mean, can we talk about... It didn't say which engine in the listing, right? Just said uh, so in 1970, it had the uh, the larger seven and a half liter Rocket V8 by GM. Um, forgetting how many hundred horsepower car. It, it's a 385 horsepower. 385. That's a lot of power. Five. 373, dude. They were monsters. Yeah, and there was actually a special package you can get um, on that generation. You know, you see there like the GTs, and that did bring it up to a 400 horsepower car. So it had a three-speed hydromatic uh, gearbox. This was actually, this car was pretty uh, renowned for GM and Oldsmobile back in the day. It was 
actually the first U.S. production front-wheel drive car since 1937. Yeah, it's front-wheel drive, this one here. This is a front-wheel yeah, drive. And the first American. Tornado was as well. Yeah. Say that again? Flip-up light. First gen of the, the Tornado in general, not just the 1970. No, right, right. The Tornado in general was the first uh, front-wheel drive kind of U.S. production car since like 1930s. Um, this car also, the, the first generation of the Tornado, uh, was the first one with uh, a subframe. It was the first with a torsion bar. It was the first passenger car with torsion bar suspension. I and wish we should pull up a diagram on torsion bar. I have no idea what that looks like. Uh, yeah, actually the suspension is really interesting on this one. And, uh, you know, I'm not an engineer, but um, I can find the... Uh, Oh, it's like a nine. It's like an air-cooled nine eleven suspension. A pickup truck in the front, right? Right. So it had uh, torsion uh, torsion bars in the front, uh, which was the first application for GM uh, in the U.S. using torsion bars, um, and it had unequal length double wishbones. In the rear, it was a simple beam axle on a single leaf spring, but it was uh, unusual because it had uh, dual shock absorbers, one vertical and one horizontal. So when they say a beam axle and a leaf spring, is that saying like you have the beam, you have the car, and there's one leaf yes. between the beam and the car instead of a leaf on either side? Because I, I think about like leaf springs in the back of a pickup, right? Yeah, you have leaf right. on one, but three on each side. I think it just means side. one. One across the middle. Maybe. Good question. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know about that, but that's, we, that's interesting. We talk about this specific car. I love this story. It, it like, so I used to live in the Boston suburbs. The Saugus is like kind of like one of the last remaining, like if you look on the map, like kind of working class ish towns around Boston while not being like a broke town, uh, very middle class, like, uh, so it was kind of cool to see a car like this. Probably a guy who owned one back in the day. Um, rescued in 92, my birth year. Revived over many years and have owned it since. It needs to find a new home that will show it some love and the attention it deserves. All inquiries will be responded to. On-hand appraisal was performed in 2013. Too much to list here. Reach out and I'll provide the info you're looking for. Like, I would imagine that this car is like, it's probably not perfect, but for 13.5 is probably just an incredible driver that probably has mechanically is probably in great shape like i'd imagine i can't believe still that there's 385 horsepower mm. through the front wheels of this car that is really impressive i mean that maybe is like one of the like when i think about older cars with high horsepower front wheel drive i i, I don't know what i can't even think of a car with more horsepower in front wheel drive no, especially of, of that kind of style of, uh, of car. I'm thinking this is the single leaf spring design with the yeah. two shocks, but so that one had a, had a horizontal shock as well. Yeah, so, um, so it was actually, you know, it's, it was a really good car for the year. It won uh, Motor Trends Car of the Year. Uh, it did well selling. Um, and it, it was, you know, kind of an amazing engineering feat. You know, they... They, uh, they applied a lot of good innovations and uh, it sold really well and, and did really well. The weakest point was its drum brakes uh, on the earlier gens. 
had significant uh, brake fade after uh, hard stops, after a few hard stops, but that was solved with a uh, disc brake option later in the generation. Four-wheel discs or just on the front? Four-wheel drum. Oh, nice. oh, oh you need the discs. Yeah. Uh, no, I think just front. Just fronts. Isn't it funny to think about these guys from Motor Trend, like, hooning these cars with four-wheel drums? That's, like, a little wild, right? Don't, don't you love how Oldsmobile back then was, like, the coolest brand? And, and cool when we brand. grew it's up, different. my association with Oldsmobile were dark red Cutlass Sierras in the 90s. Yeah, it's such a horrible yeah. car. Yeah. Yeah. Lamest cars. And then they died off. No, it's it's true. It's it's a little sad. GM had such glory days in the '60s, with all these brands having like really big personalities. Yeah. Oldsmobile, Buick, Pontiac, like. I mean, you know, Oldsmobile might have been the coolest one. I don't know. I I recently have fallen for Pontiac a little bit. Uh, yeah, Pontiac's were cool. Time. But I mean, I, Pontiac I some... had cool times until the '90s. Even. And, and look at Pontiac now, or like you know, no longer, but you know, a few years ago, they were shit. Well, yeah, like oh, they made no, the they still had some cool cars. The G8 GXP. I mean, that was like Commodore. Yeah, the Holden Commodore. But remember <laughs> the the '90s uh, Bonneville SSCIs. That was We've a really this on another podcast. Yeah. The SSCI. Yeah. <laughs> it's every time you have me around, I talk about the SSCI. So, uh, well, that's a, I think that's a pretty good pick, Stephen. In fact, I was looking at this car myself. Uh, Sorry, I creeped on your territory a little bit there. Right, you 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 in in, in my territory. Would, would you have this car in your in your uh, garage, or you just picked it, you know, for the category, or is this something that you look at and you say, "Wow, I would love one of these." You know, I look at it and I say, "I would have one of these." Um, you know, I I just think it's a gorgeous design. It's unique, um, and it, you know, I think it's under the radar. I mean, you know. But most people probably don't want front wheel drive from a car back then. You know, that's probably why they're not so desirable. The funny thing, though, is at the end of the day, none of these cars are going to like handle or drive all that well. So I'm not sure it really matters, you know? Right. And it is just, it's, a, it's plain cool, you know? It like, is if you're just going to cruise around. Why not? Yeah. I mean, what, what's more 70s than brown on brown and beige and white? <laughs> no, it's a great car. Well, All right. Well, uh, who's up right. next? You want to go or should I go? Okay, I can go. So I went uh, a little bit later into the 70s. And this is a car that I've had on my mind for a little while now, the Cadillac Eldorado convertible. Stephen recently sent a picture hmm. of uh, one of these to Ross and I over text message. He took a nice picture. I guess it was in New York, right? In Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn. And Cruising around. Daddy don't we live in that New York City. Right. We were debating on whether or not the car was a, an Eldorado or what it was. And then you know, I spent a lot of time looking at the different Cadillacs from the era. And I sort of started to fall in love with these big convertibles because I thought to myself, wow, what an experience. I mean, you could stack six people in this car and cruise down the road in the utmost of luxury, right? That's great. Um, this, what more could you want? Right. This one has horrible wheels. I, I really hate those. I, I like the- I feel like uh, those are very typical of those cars, you know, the wire wheels. For me, the, the style on this car that looks the best is like the one that you have the picture of, 
mm. with the hubcaps that are similar to like a Mercedes W123 hubcap. You know, I know what you mean. Yeah. Very I think that looks like excellent. a flat outside. Yes. Um, I mean, you know, this one, it just, it looks in really nice shape to tell you the truth, right? Like even the interior paint. looks nice and the paint, the paint looks incredible. Yeah. Is that purple or brown? Is. I think it's purple. Yes. Um, so it's a really cool color as well. Uh, and I think it goes with the interior. Um, and so when, when I, when I was looking at the car, I started to do a little bit of research and I found out some stuff that made me want to pick it even more. One of the things being that these were made in Linden, New Jersey. I don't know. If I, I think the Oldsmobile was also produced in Linden, New Jersey as well. So they really? were made at the same plant at that, yeah. yeah, at the GM plant there. Yeah. The funny thing was it's on Route 1 and 9, like where, right where we were when we went to Rami's place the other mm -hmm. day, Stephen. And I laugh about that because I've driven that road so many times in my life and I could never imagine that there would have been an automobile factory there. Like that seems... Oh really far-fetched and you know probably for anyone older like they think of new jersey as a industrial place like that but in my lifetime it, it didn't feel that way you know it felt very commercial but so they produced theirs from from 37 to uh 2005 really um, yeah the art in linden in linden gm wow. and then ford had a big place in edison yeah I didn't know that New Jersey was a big car production site. You know, I, I'm just learning that. So that was a neat find for me. Like, and now all the, uh, the Germans have their finance for their North American, you know, units here. It's well, they've had, they've had their North American units headquartered out of, out of New Jersey historically. Like, I remember growing up and Audi of North America was in New Jersey, Mercedes, Porsche, BMW. before they all moved to the South because they got like big tax advantages and they set up like a bigger presence than they ever had before. I think BMW is really like the only one that still has the biggest presence here in New Jersey. Audi was still pretty big. I, yeah, I'm I don't not sure. know about that. Volkswagen's moved, I know that. Porsche moved to Georgia. Yeah. Uh, Mercedes, Mercedes is in Atlanta as well. Oh, Atlanta, but they have the Tuscaloosa factory also. Yeah, and uh, I was a, talking more corporate. I don't know about you know. Right, right. Where's Volkswagen? I know they have the Chattanooga factory, but it's a good question. I I don't know, but uh, I, what I just remember that when I think about cars in New Jersey as a kid, it was that not producing them. You know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I could see these cars driving around New Jersey in the seventies. Like I could just oh. picture that and how epic that is. You know, it's like the Sopranos kind of a thing. It is know? like the Sopranos, exactly. It just fits right in. It fits right in. Mm -hmm. and this, car. this is what I need to drive around New Jersey. I'd be a lot more comfortable. <laughs> That's exactly what you need. Forget the five series. No, I, I mean, honestly, what about I would this? love to have one of these, these big, you know, w whether it's this or any other type of American muscle convertible, it's a, it's a genre that I've really fallen in love with because I think it has so much to offer right you know just to cruise with friends and relax enjoy the air it's not about going fast you hear a big v8 you know speaking of the big v8 8.2 liters guess how much power okay. probably like 150 or something 190 horsepower out oh of my god unbelievable you know, this is six years after that Oldsmobile. I guess that's why I was so shocked. Right. The Malays era, they started to really, anything post 73 is when things start to go downhill. Crazy. 
Honestly, though, maybe it doesn't matter. You know, you might drive the car and it sounds like a V8 and it gives you what it you need. It goes nowhere. But it gives yeah, you it goes nowhere. But I mean, like, how fast would you want to go in one of those anyway? No, you. I, it's not meant for, for high speed, for sure. Tops out at 110, supposedly. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, uh, something that I also didn't know is this is also a front-wheel drive car. Is it? Yeah, really? I would have never expected that. Are most of these super long wheelbase, you know, Cadillacs and, and Lincoln Town cars, were they all front wheel drive? I mean, considered a long wheelbase as far as. Yeah, this, that, Ross is right. This isn't considered a long wheelbase. wheelbase. Although it's almost 20 feet long, it wasn't right. considered a I mean, long wheelbase. <laughs> this was um, short wheelbase Cadillac. So it factor. did about 11 miles per gallon, but it had a 27.5 gallon fuel tank. <laughs> My gosh. Like double the size of a modern car. My okay, so my S8 as like a, a frame of reference is another big car, has a, a, like a 21 gallon fuel tank. And I thought that was a lot. Yeah, and the, here's an interesting stat that just another thing to compare these two cars. The S8 weighs 4,000 pounds and it was the first like all aluminum production car and everybody talked about how light it was. This Cadillac is only 4,800 pounds. I'm surprised that it's only that, I mean, 800 pounds, it's a lot of weight, but I sort of expected it to be a, a lot heavier than uh, something like that S8, you know? The Tornado is 4,500. That's actually pretty light. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing, I bet a lot of the weight in this car is because it's a convertible. Oh, you, you could be right. The coupe could be lighter. That's true. I mean, it's a huge top when you look at right. it, right? What do we think about this specific example, though? Like 83K, is this fuel injected? Uh, that's a good question. No, carbureted. He says it in the ad. Oh, oh yeah. Yep. So for 12K, it says 83,000 miles. Uh, you know, if they're original. I mean, uh, it looks like the guy looks kind of like dodgy i'm firm on my price i know what i have and what it's worth go online and educate yourself you it's just so, i don't think that's dodgy it's just a boomer dude he's a boomer selling the other detached he's an emotional boomer. i hate those ads though like what's your point in posting that <laughs> he wants what he wants for have you ever... everybody's trying to get the lowest price but you're not going to get there with that line in your head have you ever sold your a car on crisis you got to deal with some real schmucks yeah, yeah, but I, you know, I'm nice. I'm like, listen, uh, you know, I'm not going to sell the car for that amount. I appreciate your inquiry, but right. I, I understand it because I lowball everyone on everything. You know, I'm trying to get everything for the lowest price. <laughs> it's the game you have to play. Yeah, Brian, right. we know. We we've been with you before. So this is in the the Bristol area. So this is Rhode Island, right? This is around the corner from my house. I could go buy this car like tomorrow. So, you know. I can't even imagine driving around, uh, you know, Rhode Island by the coast in this big open convertible. What a nice experience. It, it would be. Uh, and I think like the purple with the white interior is just oh, yeah. incredible. Like, how could you go wrong? It is interesting to me that it's not like a pure bench seat. It's like two buckets kind of turned into a bench. That is a little weird too. I think the back is a full bench though. Um, yeah. One thing I would notice is this guy's garage is very clean. So I would say he probably took good care of the car. It looks very organized too. It's, yeah, it's, he looks like a city person. How cheap 
And how much money could it be to maintain this car? It's probably not so much. Like a monkey could yeah. work on this. And hey, interestingly enough, guys, on the if you go keep keep scrolling, Ross, back to where you can see the taillights. You see between the metal area that's the taillight and like the rest of the car, you see how there's like kind of a space that's painted there. Mm. Or like here? No, no, like like uh oh, between yes. where it says El Dorado and the metal area. Oh, this see, there's yeah. a line. part of the bumper, I think, technically. That is rubber. It's not metal. I was gonna say plastic, but rubber. It's rubber. They like flex. Huh. And it's the same on the front. If you go to the front, you can see it has the same, like before the oh. lights, there's like a rubber area. Now, is that for pedestrian so, safety? I'm not Probably. sure. When you think of the post, like, what is it, 74 or whatever, is when all the cars have those ugly bumpers. And like, think about like a BMW 2002. The early ones had the, the same right. little bumpers. The later ones had those big rubber stoppers. Those are probably just built into this car. That's what it is. It's the bit, you're right, Stephen. It's the pedestrian, the pedestrian bumpers. And it's funny. I only knew this because Doug DeMuro was like squeezing it like a horn on his video. <laughs> and uh, I, what's, what's surprising to me is how good the paint looks on the rubber after all the time, you know? Right. That must be hard to maintain. It's like those old Saturns. They're all plastic. The, uh, the paint holds up well. Is the keyhole for the doors uh, a Cadillac symbol? Oh my God, it is. It has, oh, has the leaves around it. Yeah, I like that. That's that's a nice little touch. Hey, did you know uh, so like this one, cover for the for the top? Painted. I was wondering if that's original or not. I, I was a little curious about that. It doesn't seem original, does it? No, it didn't to me either, but you never know. Um so interesting note on these guys. They made like over forty thousand of these Eldorado convertibles. Can you believe they made that? Like that seems an incredible number of these yachts. So there must have been at some point in time, one of these everywhere. You know? Yeah. I think too. When we were kids, I saw these everywhere. I I saw them, but not everywhere. And th this in in seventy six alone, they made fourteen thousand. So this was like a really big production car for Cadillac. Um, so that's all I got on this, but uh, I, I do love these big old Cadillacs. And I, I think that, you know, when I look at like Steven's car versus this, I would, st I do love the, the Tornado, but I took this because I think when, when you talk about these cars, the convertible is the ultimate experience. Yeah, no, that's fair. If, if we're going to talk bigger with Cadillacs, we're moving on to mine and we're going bigger. <laughs> yeah. So we have a 68,000 miles, 79 Coupe de Ville. Uh, this guy's daily driving it here in, <laughs> uh, in, in San Francisco. That's awesome. Uh, That's it's a awesome. carb car, brakes, valve cover gaskets, fender inserts, headliner, all sorted out. It's time to downsize. Uh, it's this beautiful brown color. It's absolutely massive. Um, has a Landau top and rear. Which seems to be an incredible shape when you when you look at it. Uh, and the interior just is 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 plush, like it's so seventies. And this is what you said. This is mine. Oh, seventy nine. Seventy nine. Yeah, the seats aren't perfect. A lot more, starting to look eighties in a way. Yeah. So, so awareness of the bumper, the headlights. It looks kind of like a Monte Carlo up front. So I, I did a bit of research on this. So this car came out in 77. 
79 was a, a minor facelift, 80 was a bigger facelift, but uh, this was known as a smaller, like it was known for being smaller than the previous generation while still being way bigger than yours, Ryan. Um, this is longer than mine, it's longer yes. than 20 feet? Yeah, it is. Because uh, it's the long wheelbase one, right? Of their, yeah. their, their fleet, you know? It's, it's like, uh, no, it's about the same actually, yeah. Right. So I guess that the wheelbase is probably longer. Um, so this car has, because it's a carb, it has a seven liter carbureted engine. They moved away from that 8.2. Uh, 180 horsepower, 320 foot pounds. There was a fuel injected version you could also buy with 15 more horsepower. That one had a, or uh, that one had a zero to 60. So imagine this car is going to be slower than that. This car had a, huge v8 that had a zero to 60 of 10.9 seconds and 116 mile per hour top speed uh it was replaced the next year so this was the last year you can get even this v8 it was replaced the next year with a six liter v8 with 150 horsepower and a 13.6 second zero to 60 and oh my gosh the, the malaise era just got worse and worse yeah, it got worse and worse um the 79 though it, uh, was noted for they changed one thing one major thing about it uh, had an aluminum aluminum hood which is interesting which weight looks bands. like a good place to save a lot of weight yeah uh, Ryan you talked about how they built so many of those Eldorado convertibles they built 121,890 of these coupes in 1979 that's not including the sedan. just just in 79 just in 79 and the oh coupes. Oh my you know. gosh. And Cadillac made so many cars. So like many they are. Imagine America was full of Cadillacs. Just yeah. everywhere there were Cadillacs. Well, think about it. Like the, the greatest generation, the people who fought in World War II, they were hitting that age where they could afford these. They were buying them left and right. Like America was. Right. Right. Uh, these were, I don't know the exact place this was assembled, but there's three assembly plants Detroit, Linden, and Southgate, California. Um, but uh, the crazy thing was, and this might actually be the price of the later ones, but they've sold for uh, up to $11,728, which I thought, okay, that's probably going to be an insane amount of money. But adjusted for inflation, 79 to today, that's only 42K. It's yeah, it's not so much. That's not that insane for what was considered like this insane luxury car at the time. This looks a little less luxurious than the car that I showed well, or like Fleetwood, the other one that we showed before we got on. So the one we showed before was definitely, more, that was a Brome, right? That was a Fleetwood Brome. Yes. yes. That was a nicer car. I like right. this interior better than yours though, Ryan. Yeah, this has more going on. and has more actually, character. I like the design of Ryan's more, but there's more here. Oh, wait, one feature that I forgot to mention on the Eldorado, it has fiber optic. Uh, um, I think this has it too, if you look at the front. Do you see how like right above the, the headlight in the corner, there's that little thing that sticks up? What yep. that is, is there's a fiber optic cable going in there that actually shoots a light out of there to show you where your blinkers or your high beams are on. So on both of those sides, you see using fiber optics, a light at the end of your bumper on your blinkers and your high beams. Really? What? Yeah. That's wild. 
it is wild. They were doing some great catalog was doing some crazy stuff back then. Which is funny because like you look back at it and they're like you can see that this was clearly the decline. Like sixties, fifties Cadillac were like what they were like on par with Rolls Royce. Like, right. Like, they were like the top of the world. And in the seventies it started to go downhill, but like I've been dreaming about this. Like you get you guys now and our and our, our listeners should learn. Uh I have in the past couple months started to listen to almost nothing but Steely Dan. <laughs> and I just dream about like driving around, like imagine it's 1980, you're driving around this car listening to Gaucho, uh, you know, it, having an expensive habit uh, that's, <laughs> that's justified by this large flat hood. Uh, <laughs> and, I wasn't going to uh, say it, but I'm glad you did and you put it in the best way. Yeah, it's the most cocaine car ever. And you just throw an eight track in and you listen to Gaucho. You got Babylon sisters going down as you're driving down the coast. Ross, you should realistically go take this car for a test drive. <laughs> I really should. So wh- where is this one uh, located? San Francisco. I was up there today. I should have just been like, let's go. You're going up on Sunday. Take it for a drive. Organize with the guy. Yeah, that's not a I, bad c- idea. I couldn't imagine, you know, like, uh, you know, being stuck on a hill and, you know, having to put the gas down to get up the hill and the roar of the noise as you try to just lug all this weight <laughs> up those hills in san francisco yeah. yeah you're right because it wouldn't move anywhere with the horsepower but it would make a lot of noise with seven liters <laughs> yeah it'd go up to like you know three or four grand before you uh you know actually start going anywhere i gotta say it, it's interesting because it's like uh i loved ryan's car but you can see that they took some of the design uh like the design pieces from that car. Yeah, they're very similar. Language, and they like improved upon it a bit. Like you can see yep. that they took these these metal inlets here and like fins, yeah. Just, yeah, the fin, like the, the modern fins and, and integrated into this brown rubber, which doesn't look as good as on your car, I will say. They they look like they haven't aged as well. But like these fins look better. The way they they built the lights into it. Yeah, the fins do look really good. Honestly, this car condition-wise and like mileage, I think it's a really interesting car. It, it feels unique to me that, it feels more unique to me that this survived in this condition than than the convertible that I selected. Especially because as a that, daily driver, but you're also in California, not, you know, the Northeast. That's still, true. I mean, it, you know, like it, it still looks great. Well, it yeah, sounds it like this guy has been daily driving it. He bought it with 49K, it has 68,000, so he hasn't owned it that long. I can't believe this guy's been daily driving it. That's hysterical. A 70s caddy is his daily. But why you not? shouldn't have bought the Getter Ross. You could have spent AC nine work on it. The, what was that, Steve? Does the AC work on it? I don't know. Why? It better. You don't need it in San Francisco. Do yeah, you? you don't really need AC no. in San Francisco. Well, actually, it depends. When you and I were cr- crossing over the hills in San Jose and the Viper, we could have used AC. Yeah, so we, I mean... No. You said San Jose. That's an entirely different climate than San Francisco. Right, with 30 minutes down the road. <laughs> 30 minutes down the road and it drops 50 degrees. Like, yeah, right. Well, remember, when I, when I met you in, uh, in Monterey that day, uh, yeah, Monterey, temp- I told you the temperature dropped over 30 degrees from me leaving Morgan Hill and driving down to Monterey. No, that's true. 101 where the temperature will drop like every 10 seconds you'll see on your on your car will drop one degree it's insane 
Gosh, look at his rear seat. We talk about this stuff, the more I miss California. And you know, I'm thinking we probably don't have Pebble this year either. Uh, I don't know. I think things will be better by then. Well, let's hold out hope. I'd love another Pebble trip. Right. This is actually rear wheel drive, this one. Yeah, this one's rear wheel drive. Are you sure? Yes. I mean, I, if I'm trusting his listing. I'm looking at Wikipedia. It's, it's FR layout. It's a C body. Hmm. It shares. That's so weird. You would think that this and the other car had this, shared the same chassis. It shares a platform with the Cadillac Fleetwood Brome, which is definitely a nicer car. That one you showed earlier. Like maybe you well, should bring that up. Uh, well, okay, I'll bring that up in a second. But out of out of what we brought to the table, yeah, who, who's our winner in the uh, in the in the seventies cars? I think I would vote for Ross, actually. You know, actually, I, I think I'm going to go for Ross's as well. Yeah, Ross, you, you won this one. That's a, okay. just a condition. Would you, would you go with your own, Ross? I don't know if I would. I, I, I think, I don't know, Stephen, there's something about yours I really like. Oh, yeah, that one it's is. a very unique card. It's very um, cool for, yeah. for what it is. It's just a little bit wacky. You I know? think this is the most. 70s american of all of them now like this is like classic sonifies it right it is and and for me it's the most unusual because of how it how it is like the, the steven's car you know was restored all this stuff like the guy put like a you know subwoofer in the trunk yeah i and, didn't like uh, that this one is just like stock and this guy's driving it i don't know i i'm into this story there is something i like about that second owner no, it's a good find. So Maybe I should you know, check it out. I just like it. Like good, solid, honest survival, which should mean survivor. He didn't even sp say the right word. Like no, no, he meant like survival in the in the in like some kind of world meltdown. This thing will keep ticking. That's true. <laughs> okay, uh, so our next topic of choice would be '80s Mercedes. So for a little background, uh, I think we already said it, but. Steven and Ryan have been big 80s Benz guys, and they also know it's some of my favorite cars. I've just never had the pleasure of owning one. Uh, so who wants to go first? Should I, should I, I go? keep the order. Okay. I'll Question, have you guys ever driven a stick shift 80s Benz? No. I have not, no. Interesting. Only driven I've driven a few, and only now do I finally own one. But it's, uh, it, it is like... We're so used to these cars with automatic and the stick shift does change the experience dramatically. Yeah, you always keep pushing for me to change mine to a, a manual. You yeah. having owned one and lived with one, do you still stand by that? 100%, you would enjoy yeah. the car a lot more. It's I not think there like is some character to the auto though. What's that? There, there is a lot of character to the auto, but it's, it's great probably auto. a different character. It is, I would rather have the car with the stick because at the end of the day, you're, you're in control. So right. any of the herky jerk that you get with the auto, you don't have with the stick, you know? Right. So more, to be honest, it's more about the smoothness than like excitement about driving a stick, I would say. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, the autos uh, aren't really known for being the smoothest. No. Well, and, and these sticks aren't the smoothest either, either. Like mine, I probably have to change the gear oil, but it, it's, it's pretty clunky. Like I have to be really deliberate to knock off smooth shifts, especially first to second. It's like, mm. like first, wait, 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 second. 
also you need to get going somewhere you know you have to to move you know with that non-turbo oh yeah well it's a problem because that's ex you're exactly right you have to like so what i'm doing is i short shift into second very early so i'm not waiting for it and then just floor it in second and gotcha. rely on the gobs of torque that i have to, to <laughs> is it slow though like i've never been in a non-turbo one two three is it slow the funny thing is it doesn't look slow when you're driving it because the speedometer is is, is it's so big. Well, you'll see what it looks like on this one. Right. The gauge the gauge goes pretty fast across the speedometer, but yeah, that like, doesn't actually matter. All that matters. Right. <laughs> it's deceiving. You know, I don't know. Like when you're driving it, it doesn't feel, it, it, shockingly enough, for a car with like 65 or 70 horsepower, whatever it has, right. it doesn't feel so slow. Like it, it, go, it drives on modern roads perfectly fine. Right, but we still have to do a drag race between uh, mine turbocharged and your uh, four-cylinder. We do. It, it will be interesting to see. I would imagine yours is going to be quite a bit faster. Right. No. Especially like Stephen, you have that car so figured out. Like I. Right. I think, I think the biggest moment for me, and there's been a lot of moments in that car, but was when you and I over this past summer went camping up in the whites. Mm. The way you drove it, it just felt like a, a modern. Like a modern car, like it felt yeah, no, fast. It felt it was quiet on the highway, eighty. Like I felt super comfortable and refreshing up the end. It didn't feel modern when you and I were searching every nook and cranny of New Hampshire for a dispersed campsite, and then your fucking relays just started failing in the middle of <laughs> the window yeah, switch. Yeah, the window switch. That's what it was. <laughs> but other than that, it was it was so good. They're not quiet at 80 on the highway, though. I disagree it, with that. The motor turns. Window seals and. No, like forget even the window seals. Just I feel like the motor is revving too much with the four speeds. If we, if either of us had a five speed, I think it would be a lot nicer at 80. I didn't think Stevens felt so bad. I mean, you can do it, but like right. you always said to me when you drove the car that you usually drive at about 70. No, it's it's most comfortable at around 70 or so. You know, after a while at 80, it feels a bit tired. Yeah, it's like wound out. Like the car, you can really, you know, it's revving at a diesel to like 3,500 RPM. Yeah, you know? that's exactly what it's kind of at 30. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot for a diesel. It's it is. high strong. Okay. So anyways. Uh, w so this is you, right, Stephen? This is me. You, you already won. You already won. my area. Uh in new york city and i love the if you read the description this car has been around but it's Close very looks. clean so if you look at this is a light ivory over uh palomino mb tex um it has an electric sliding sunroof on this um it is the 300 but it is a non-turbo diesel so it's a naturally aspirated inline five the oh, three liter so imported not not u.s car I do think they brought these over to the U.S. Those bumpers are U.S. bumpers. They might have federalized it at the time, though. Yeah. I was of the belief that they only brought the turbos to the U.S. We we'll might have, I mean, the turbos in the coupe form were only available in the U.S. Mm. Oh. So they didn't have the turbos in coupe form elsewhere. But you might be right. I mean, it was brought over. Uh, I mean, it was purchased at you know, 23,000 miles. Yeah, the car was purchased pre-owned. San Francisco, you know, European Motors, moved to LA, then it was in Montana, and then it went to New Jersey, and now it's in New York City. 
has 129,000 miles on it, which is not a lot. Um, and it's being offered at, uh, is it offered for 15K up above? Yeah, 15,000. Yeah, 15K, which is a pretty penny for this car. It's a lot of money for a one, two, three, but this is an incredible example. Um, and, and this is a non-turbo, so it, it might not be as desirable as probably the turbo ones are. But it's from one perspective, but from the other, you know, there's less lag. Yeah, not as not as fast, but uh, maybe right. more linear. No, it's definitely uh, more linear. But I do love the turbo lag. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a uh, very clean, uh, no rust. Um, I think it has the original radio too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so it hasn't been an aftermarket radio is equipped. Oh, does it? That's the only un unfortunate thing about That's most older Mercedes. You have to have the Becker Europa. Mercedes's. <laughs> Ryan, does yours have that? The Becker Europa? Yeah. Yeah, I just oh, yeah, my, it does. I dropped my Becker off to you, Becker Auto no. Sound so they could install Bluetooth. In, Do you in have it? it or does Becker still have it? I have it back. I put it in the car, but the unfortunate thing is it doesn't seem like they fixed the tape player because now the tape player is not working. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, the Bluetooth is working, so I have to have a call into them to see what they can do. I might just take a refund for the tape player and uh, <laughs> and leave the Bluetooth, you know? Oh, was that part of the, uh, the agreement to fix the tape player? Yeah, it's like they do it was a, a full uh, service, right? It's a $300 service to put in Bluetooth and fix the fix up the operation of the of the radio deck. And so they did the Bluetooth great. Um, works really well. So we've been cruising with nice tunes in the W123, which is really nice. Um, but, uh, but it, you know, you need that style in that car, honestly. Yeah. It looks yeah. so nice. And I enjoy, you know, touching that big knob for the volume. And now I do have the treble and bass lever, Stephen. Good, good. Yeah, you don't put it all the way to bass. You want it slightly above bass. That's the but sweet But you do spot. put it down because it's a little yeah. tinny otherwise. 100%. But, yeah. 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 What's interesting about, so my brother on his W124 had Becker redo it and put in Bluetooth, and this was a few years ago. You actually need to put a tape in the cassette player for the Bluetooth to run. Really? Oh, wow. That is strange. Mine just is always running. So you have a tape going in there, and then your Bluetooth cuts out every now and then while the tape switches sides. <laughs> That's so funny. But let's talk about the specific car. It looks excellent. Yeah, no, it's in great condition uh, on the classic bunt wheels. Unfortunately, not running Vredestein Sport Track tires on it, which is a mistake, as you'll read in my article on the Autoholic. Um, Here, I mean, dude, MB Tech, Palomino MB Tech, so it's the same you have, right, Stephen? Right. I mean, same we both have. MB Tech is literally the best. Like, MB Tech is great. It's incredible. It looks brand new. I only have one problem though with the, those seats with the MB Techs, and I, I felt it in your car, Stephen. But I'm I'm more cognizant of it now that I'm driving my car regularly, is that the seat collapses kind of, and so I sit now like I sit in the back left corner of my seat. That's, like, that's how I, I sit. That's how I sit in mine. I mean, it's not. I don't think that's a thing on the MB Techs. That's you know just the springs and the seat. Yeah. The design, right, right. It so, is, I mean, it's the same thing actually. Yeah, it's so, it's back left yeah look at that the climate control on this that's interesting 
Yeah, so yeah, I mean, that, that was more like the great. older style climate controls uh, from the lower level models. So you might be right in terms of this being a, a European import. Right. Um, and it has the, uh, you know, the non-turbo gauge cluster with the big numbers that makes it look like you're going very fast because it only goes <laughs> up to 85 miles per hour. You do oh not get a tachometer, you get a nice big clock. I love the clock though. And the fact that they all work, my clock holds perfect time. I leave it for like a week at a time. Yeah, I, and I, I love just having a, an old fashioned analog clock in a car. Is you, do you sit in there and you, can you hear it tick? Yeah, absolutely, you can it's hear a, it tick. It's a great calming sensation and uh, you, know, you don't get that in modern cars. This is, this is very one, two, three. The golf box sags a tiny bit. Oh yeah, they all they all are like that. They don't match up perfectly over over the years. These are great though. I love these uh, vents. Mine in the center. I don't know if yours is like this in your car. I, I don't have real center vents like this. Mine's just it has a slider beneath and it's a vent from the outside for cold air. Right. No, I have this. I think it was a a thing for the three hundreds. Mm. Ah. So you do you even know what I'm talking about? Where the where uh, yeah. the You've seen that, yeah. I think those were originally in the, the 114, 115s maybe, and they, they kept it over. Right. So I only get heat on the left and the right. Hmm. It's a great little car. But See, I mean, not, not much to say. It's a, it's a classic one, two, three in coupe form, pretty desirable, very great clean. Great exterior color as well. Yeah, the ivory is a, is a gorgeous color. Um, I think 15K is, is a bit much for it, but you know, uh, 129,000 miles is not a lot, has no rust. So I think, you know, anything from 12 to like 14, I think it's probably the, the price that it'll sell at. Yeah, I, I really love New York. Go ahead, Ross. No rust in New York is big. Like. That's surprising. It is in no in no rust condition in New York, which is surprising. It was Brian person seventeen. I will say that probably the non-turbo is more desirable in a city setting like New York because right. you know the W one two three in general is great for the city. It it, it awesome. soaks up all the bumps. It, it's so pleasant to drive around in. I could drive Manhattan all day long in my car uh, and not be stressed at all, to be honest. Right. Um, but you know going light to light, by the time you get to the light, it turns red, you're hitting turbo boost, you know, you don't get to use it. And it, if anything, it's probably more of a hassle in terms of managing the throttle when the boost comes on. So, right. you know, getting rid of that, this might be a more pleasant, uh, relaxing experience. No, I could see that. Uh, but, you know, generally I would say that W123s for either city or back road driving mm -hmm. have to be one of the best classics you could buy right now. I mean, I, I didn't enjoy mine on the long highway cruise. It was like, I mean, it was fine. You know, it sat for 15 years and then I drove it, you know, <laughs> a few hundred miles. So I can't complain about the car, but like now to drive it on the back roads, like that's what it's about. You know, it feels so great cruising on, you know, between 40 and 70 miles, you know, even 30 right. and 70 miles per hour. Yeah, it's amazing. That's a sweet spot. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, just to uh, remind you, don't you have a bottle of wine in the freezer? Uh, yeah, maybe I'll get to it. You should probably go grab That's... that now. It's been a while. We'll see. 
It's your turn, Ryan, anyway, to go. We could gush about one, two, threes. All we can, pa- we yeah, can right. pause it, or we can edit this. <laughs> you're going to edit this out? Yeah, edit this out. Well, so uh, pop, pop mine on. So I picked uh, oh. a card that I've been looking at for a while now. I actually reached out to this guy to buy the card, but he hasn't answered me. I reached out to him several times. <laughs> you even reached out to him too, didn't you, Stephen? I don't think I reached out to this guy. I Is this you, in Long Island? Yeah, Long Island guy. Oh, I remember like this guy now. Right, like, look at those bumpers. Right, so this is a, this is a European spec W126. Um, I just love the way this looks with the small bumpers in this car. I mean, just blow up the picture again. Look how clean it is. I, I, this thing is like, it looks to me like mint, you know, the bumper's in great shape. It has the, the, interestingly enough, it has been converted to US lights, but it still has the yellow fogs, which I think add a lot of character, especially on this silver color. Um, love the wheels. Are, are those bunts? Are they yeah, they're the same. Bunts? They might be 15s instead of 14s, but. Right, they do look a little bit different. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I picked this because you know, I just thought to myself, for five grand, what more could you ask for than this car? Is that car? a cloth interior? Or yeah, so it's the, oh my, God. my favorite interior on the W126 is the cloth. It's like more like a velour, I would say. Yeah, 80s cloth. Velour interior. The, the, some of the hey. best ones have like this blue or they even have green interiors or red like this. And it's super cool. Yeah, um, that, that's a new Hampshire plate. Now the yeah, other things I think are are cool on this. It, it does have the uh, the rear uh, reflector deck. Heck blender. Right. Uh, which you don't see too oh, often, yeah. which is, is mixed. Like on the one two four, I think sometimes it doesn't work really. On the one two six, I think it works pretty well. Um, I could go either way on it, but it does look pretty good on this car, especially, especially with, with the, the Euro bumpers. Yeah, with the Euro bumpers and the hitch. And I love how it's a 280 and it has a tow hook on the back. Right. And supposedly, according to the guy, 3,000 pounds towing capacity. That's pretty, that's pretty serious for a 280. Interestingly enough, by the way, this car has 180 horsepower. That was more than I was expecting. And it, it's yeah. actually only a 2.7 liter, even though they say 280. Um, the M110 dual overhead cam. I don't know if you guys can picture it, but it's a very iconic Mercedes straight six with like the, you know, sort of aluminum uh, uh, cam covers, uh, really great. Um, and the other thing that I, I uh, noted about this car was that, uh, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I knew 126s were really popular, but they sold 818,000 W126 sedans. So almost Globally? a million. What's that? Globally? Globally. That's insane. It's a huge S number. It's not right. like you're talking to one, two, three. You're talking the top of the line. Right. So it's it's a really, really big number. And you know, I also I think about these S classes as big cars, but you know, to put it into perspective, this is 16 feet versus the 20 feet of the Cadillacs. So like way shorter. Um, and it weighs about 1,200 pounds less than the Cadillac. Right. Only way this car is very light, actually, for what it is. It weighs 3,400 pounds. That's pretty light. It is. So I, to tell you the truth, I look at this 
And, and what I did before we got on this call was I spent a bunch of time on German classifieds because I'm of the belief that you and I and Stephen need to buy a couple of these freaking things with a stick and bring them in because you know the, when, you, when you start looking at the numbers, it makes me realize how unique the cars are, right? And they're so much cheaper in Europe. It, uh, it's hit or miss now. They're, I mean, they are- Not but like it was a couple of years ago? Exactly. I think people are starting to appreciate the 126 more than they have historically. Uh, you know, and certainly we've seen it in the U.S., especially with the 560s. Like there's a, the other car I was going to mention was a really clean 560 SEL, uh, which was up for $25,000, you know. And so the 560s are starting to see big money. We've seen one bring a trailer go for like in the 40s, I believe. Um, so the funny, the adage historically was that four-door Mercedes never sold for big money like the coupes and convertibles did. Mm -hmm. But I think that people are coming around to these cars because they, they, they look at them and they, they love the character and they realize that they're usable. And if I compare this to my experience with the W123s, I think this is maybe a, a little less characterful on a back road, but it's more usable. Like you could drive at hundred miles an hour on the highway in this car. Yeah. And think of all the, when you had your 126 and we drove everywhere, like think it still had tons of character on back roads. And like we drove it on like a lot of dirt roads. And no, it, 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 and it does. It has yeah, big suspension. Like, it soaks everything up. I mean, it, they're great cars, but the 123 definitely has more back road character than the 126, I will say, after yeah. having owned them both. I think the problem with this car is that like, there's no, there's not many photos so we can't say for sure. But five grand, it's and it's like a negotiable steel. too. Why, it seems like a steal to me as well. It's ridiculous price. It yeah, seems like a it. great buy. Why do you think I emailed the guy twice? Yeah, uh, I find that when just as a mention on Craigslist ads, yeah, when, when the guys leave. don't leave their phone numbers, often it's it's fifty fifty chance that you actually get in touch with them. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Move on to mine. Let's do it. Okay, so I went for a 1980. Oh. I went with a car that I've always had an adoration for, W116. So this, this is, is a late one, huh? This is last year of the W116 because yours is an 81. Wow. Well, and they were producing the W12, uh, W126 in 78. Oh, in Europe. Right. So, so actually, that's a note I took here is that their 300 SD was only produced in 7980. It was US, Canada only. They built 28,634, which is actually a surprising amount. Um, it is. Interesting. Actually, they only sold the diesels of these in the US. I read that also. Yeah. Um, this car looks great, though. It has Euro lights, uh, $6,500 bucks out in Monterey. So, you know, it's in good shape. It's probably it's on, but super clean. It has this seat cover, so that's probably not great. And this wood insert is very strong. Yeah, I don't like that. But apparently these, from what I've heard, these 116s were like had insane build quality. Like they were absolute tanks. I have no experience with them. Um, the thing is, it's funny. You see they always, these 116s all had real leather from what I understand. And they just don't hold up like the MB text did. That's not think text. Yeah, it's not tax, but ah, 160k miles, which it's funny because my other my other choice for this was going to be another 300 SD. It was here in San Jose. That was uh, around the same price, very clean. Uh, 
had 310,000 miles and it looked brand new. Uh, but I, I decided to go with this one. Uh, so this car is pretty original, has a 3.0, an OM617, you know, typical, typical engine. I mean, he's had some issues with the heads, right? I don't know the full details of the OM617s, uh, but uh, the 1980 models had 120 brake horsepower, 170 foot-pounds of torque. It's uh, basically a W123, you yeah, know. it's not a uh, fast car. I bet this is a very slow car. Uh, it weighed 400 or 4,001 pounds, so it's a lot why? heavier than that. Why is it so much heavier? Like the iron block of the diesel, I guess? No, a bigger car. Uh, I mean, a lot more steel on, on that than... Yeah, it weighed a lot more than the 126. Uh, 17 seconds, zero to 60, and at 103 mile per hour top speed. But I think for $6,500, like, it's a really neat car. And I think these might be undervalued. Like, you see these 116s in general. Like, I don't think they're running on Craigslist right now, but I was seeing for a while these cars with six, uh, was it the six threes or the six nines? Six nines. Six I mean, those nine. are much sought after. Sought after. Not that much. You find them for less than ten grand. Well, now they're becoming so. And earlier, even even uh, you could buy them even cheaper. But uh, you know, the one sixteen was the first of the Mercedes sedans to see the price increase last year. Uh, I think it was twenty twenty or twenty nineteen. At one of the auctions in Arizona, a green one of these with a stick sold for like seventy grand. Big number, green on green. Mm. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to look it up. Uh, I think I can... the one sixteen is an underrated car. People look over it because it's sandwiched between the one hundred eights and the one two sixes. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it gets a little overshadowed by the one two three, even you know. Yeah. But in some ways, it might be the best of all of those cars combined. I don't know if the diesel's the one to get, though. Yeah, I don't know. I would venture to say no based on, like, well, hang on. Here's a good question. Does it have a very different, um, does it have a different gear ratio, you know? Let's see. Can you uh, stop sharing for a second, and I'll show the 116 from, uh, from Arizona. Here, I got all the technical data here, which is nice. So 1978, can you guys oh see this? God, look at that beautiful car. 78, 116, four-speed manual uh, with the 2.7 M110 six cylinders. The same engine as the W126 that I showed. Mm -hmm. Funny thing to me is this under, under tray here looks exactly like the W123. You know what I mean, Steve? Yeah, yeah. No, it's under very similar. Yeah, this looks when in Euro spec, it looks so much more like a one two three. And this really was just a W one two three extended Plus. out. And yeah, because the if you if you block off like I'm putting my hands up on the screen, right. if you block off the front and the back, the doors look almost the same. Well, no, exactly. the other way around. The one two three is a little one sixteen. Yeah, right. I mean, right. Which one did they design first? I'm not. I'm not this. sure about that. These came earlier. Seventy two. Look at this guy owning it. 
So this car that I was talking about has a gear ratio of, uh, or a standard axle ratio of 3.07 to 1. So it's, it's pretty long, but it's not the longest one. The, uh, the, the 6.9 had a ratio of 2.65 to 1. Oh my God, that interior is incredible. Right, people paid 70 grand for this interior. So I, mean, I dude, can't that's, believe that it went for that much money. That's yeah, insane. that's like one of the best interiors I've ever seen in a car. <laughs> I mean, that's only 52,000 kilometers, you know, it's pretty much like new. And you look at it, it really does look like new. Yeah, that's probably- but, you the, know, you buy that, you know, do you think these are gonna go up? Is that gonna appreciate much from, from 7,800? Like, they'd have to not drive it, not enjoy it, keep it in that condition and sell it in another 10 years. This yeah, that, is, that is a little bit of a bitch to buy it at that price because what do you do with it? But the, I, I think the person who bought it is a different buyer. I think they're somebody who's wealthy, somebody who loves these cars and saw this one as like the best one yeah. and it was with a stick and they're probably going to put it in their collection with other cars and drive it occasionally and not care about the value. Even look at that front valence is not mint. Actually, I, I feel like this car could be a case of somebody who like, isn't even necessarily a collector. Like, it's somebody who bought this car because he had one back in the 70s and just wants the best one. Like, I bet this car would 70 get, grand? I don't know. I don't know. Imagine being uber rich when you have, when you want to buy the car you had in the 70s and you find the best example with the most unique interior and colorway. Well, my point here is we need to start importing W126s with unique un interiors so that we, we can have a stockpile of them for once they want to start selling for 70 grand. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Europe trip soon, boys. What's that? Uh, Europe trip soon. Yeah, right. We have to go, go stock up on our cars. Right. You so, know, there's uh, a, uh, a shipping container shortage. Oh, well, I know. Ryan and I work in this world. <laughs> I'm out of the logistics business, as it turns out. I, I, I'm in business development now. It's a great feeling to not worry about logistics. <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little envious. <laughs> All right, Ross, what's yours? Uh, my favorite. That's tough. It's not mine. <laughs> uh, I have a certain love for Ryan's. Um, there's something really cool about it, but I think you win, Stephen. Steven, yours is just great. Like, there's a cool little story behind it. It's just such a sweet car. You're not going to find a better example of a one, two, three coupe. Yeah. You know, I think I'm going to go with Ryan's just because I want to buy it. <laughs> I'm going to go with mine too. I liked Steven's a lot, but I thought it was too expensive. Yeah, true. Yeah, it is Five too grand. That's absurd. They, they don't have the original radio. Right. Yeah, that's a problem. It's a problem for me. I mean, who knows on that 280 SE if it has the original radio, but I imagine maybe it does. Or maybe right. Okay, we might have to just write it off because the guy was an asshole and never wrote, our, wrote us back by email. But we're going to move on to 1990s pickups, which... Yeah, we've been all autos. Americana, as again, because, I mean, there's not really any interesting 90s Japanese pickups. I mean, besides the... Toyota and like Tacoma kind Tacoma's of Tacoma's and Nissan are hard bodies. Cool, like, but they're not cool enough to talk about because they're all the same. American trucks back then had like a, so many options. I agree with that. I'll send around. you the one I found. Who's this? Toyota, which was. This is Steven, right? This is Steven. This is me. Okay. So tell us about it, Steven. Oh my God. 
It's so good. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this is actually right in my backyard near where I grew up. Um, it is a 1997 F350 XLT. Uh, it's in a gorgeous uh, light blue, almost like a robin's egg blue. Uh, very pastel color it is very clean. There is little to no rust uh, on the underneath. If anything, it's all surface rust. Uh, super clean, great ground clearance, uh, four by four, uh, long bed uh, with a you know single cab auto. It has uh, it's a diesel power stroke diesel engine. Famous 7.3. Right. This color, Stephen, yeah, is fantastic. Steven, this is this is a truck, dude. This thing's incredible. You know, simple interior. Yeah. I love uh, you know, red lines at like you know, 3,700, 3, 3,800. Speedometer also goes to about 80 miles per hour, same as the uh <laughs> same the funny as thing the is the acceleration is probably similar to a 240D. Probably is. Uh, no, it's it, probably faster than a three liter years. instead of a three liter. Right. But uh, yeah, it's listed for uh, eighteen thousand five hundred dollars in uh, in Fairfield County, Connecticut. Which you know, I think the the biggest thing that always gets me about these cars, and you guys know, I'm not sold quite yet on the uh, the '90s uh, pickup trucks. Fully, this one I think you know did get me a little bit. It's it's a little bit of a charmer, um, but you know I think it's very particular on the pricing of these cars. I mean, all you really need to do is have a clean one. You can sell it for whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing; it's just so hard to find a clean one because these were used as utility vehicles. Um, so I would be just so interested to talk to the owner of, you know, what's the story behind this car? They didn't leave much in the ad behind the story of it, what number owner they are, what it was used for, was it garage most of its life? Um, it has it a like ton of miles, miles. Yeah. 200,000 miles, and it's this clean. Yeah, the uh, condition blows my is mind. impressive, yeah. It's crazy how you see these trucks, and they, uh, there are actually a fair amount of clean ones, but they sell for an absurd amount. Yeah. Usually over 20, actually. The 18 yeah. is, is cheap. Yeah, it's because cheap. it's a single cab, like long bed, right. super base, right. otherwise truck, which is really unique. Usually when you do find a really clean one, they're like this crazy crew cab, like Lariat or whatever. But I think this one has more character because it's a single cab and long bed. Yeah, I, I do like the super cabs on this truck, this particular truck. Um, yeah. But I agree, it, it has it has a really nice look to it. Interestingly enough though, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, the prices on these are 100% based on the engine. If it has the gas V8s, they, they, it's, it's half or less of the value of the diesel. If it's a V6, it's like three grand. Right, well, I mean, so those are only in the F-150s. So if you talk about the sure. F-250s and F-350s, which I think have become the more desirable of these, uh, it's called the OBS generation, the ninth generation of the Ford F-Series. Uh, it was either this, it was the 351 Windsor V8, or there was like a 400 V8. And uh, the, the two gas engines go for like nothing. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah the, I think I'd rather have early, one with the gas engine. These early 7.3s were so good. They didn't 
have the issues the later ones did, like the was it the exploding head gaskets and such of like the six fours and shit or six whatever. Four power choke. Yeah, six O's. I so love I, it. I don't have many uh, other stats or details about it. I did not do too much research on this one, but it's, uh, it's awesome. I love it. What do you guys think the switch on, on the front of the, the seat does? Is that like a, a lumbar support? What's your guess on that? Here? It must yeah. be just forward and backwards. Yeah, forward and back. You think it's a power bench? I, I mean, I, I, you're not looking for a lumbar in these cars back then. They're not, they weren't as luxurious as pickups are today. I know, but a power bench seems wild. I don't know. I can't remember ever being in a car with a power bench, but maybe that is a thing. I love that the XLT is like a reasonably nice truck today. And back then it got you air conditioning and a radio. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's no other options. Oh, no, it has power windows. Power windows. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big deal back then. And the uh, door handles down there. I mean, these are cool. It's uh, it, it's, I actually had to try, like I was, I, I, I already saw what Ryan picked. I had to try to not pick this generation of Ford for this challenge because these are like always the answer, right? Like these are the cool trucks. People in our generation lust after these. I had to pick something different. You know, I, I was also looking at a GMC Sierra of the same year and it's so clean too but it doesn't have the same type of charm and it actually looks so much more modern, even though it's the same year. I mean, this must've been, I don't know the, you know, when this design was released, but this must've been, you know, a start of this, this. Yeah, 92. but you know, when did that, when did that Ford, when was that originally designed? That must've been late. There's the 97 Sierra and this is like the end of that generation too. But it looks like it could be a, a you know, early 2000s. I, well, I don't know. It looks, it has a little bit still of that like long stretched out thing, but it is a bit more curved than the Ford. Yeah, I mean, compared to the one that we we're looking at, it yeah. looks so much newer. Soon after they came out with this, Which and is like just that weird. looked like decades newer. Right, yeah. and it was two years. It, no, that that is it is wild. The Ford the F1, was the F one fifty came out in ninety eight. Like the the curvy one. Yeah, and it's funny. Like this is these trucks were like our childhood. I remember these. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's they funny. look like it's shit different now. Different it's funny that F one fifties age like garbage. Horrible. Say that again, Ryan. But the F three fifty doesn't look that old. To me. No, I agree. I was saying, I was agreeing with what Ross said that the F-150 looks horrible and the, the two and three look great. Except that the, apparently the two and threes are unviable unless you have the gasoline motors because the diesels were huge problems. But maybe that's just a stereotype. You know, I haven't done a lot of research into it. Mm. Okay. Ryan, we're going to move over to yours. Okay. Are so, uh, <laughs> This combine, I saw this, I've actually sent this to Steven before and said we should buy it. Um, this combines my love for the ninth gen of the F series uh, trucks with something that I've always desired, which was a car carrier. And I thought that the way they did this one was pretty nice. I like the, the, uh, the cow catcher up front. I think they integrated it really well. Um, 
It has the cool looking, uh, you know, 10 lug wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also a single cab, right? And, and there is some charm to be said about that. Uh, but supposedly this weighs nine or 10,000 pounds unloaded and can tow an additional 15,000 on top of that without breaking a sweat. Wow. So that's like a pretty, imp- those are pretty impressive figures. Uh, this is a manual. Um, so it's a five speed and it has the same 7.2 liter, uh, engine. And this, this has like 190,000 miles, I think, and it's going for 14. So comparatively to the other car, it's a huge value. And, you know, essentially my, my whole conversation here is just a sales pitch to get Steven to go in on this with me. (laughs) So my question is compared to, have you looked at other tow trucks? Is this like a good price for one? No, it's not a great price. Like this is pretty expensive because it's that body style Ford and that engine. Um, and they're just known as being really durable and everything. I mean, I guess you, um, have to, you have to look at it like this. Like if you plan on never selling this, it probably makes sense. But, or if you plan on selling it, it's not going to depreciate either. You know, apparently that's what yeah, you might. I, I bet it's a hard sell. It'll take a while, but you might get what you want. Like, right. It's an asset that carries your other assets. Right. And listen, I fell in love with the idea of a car transporter. I don't know if you guys have been to the Mercedes Museum in Sindelfing in Germany, in Stuttgart, Germany. I know what you're talking about. They have in the museum the Mercedes transporter that they made to carry the the 300 SLs. Um, And it's it's right there, Ross, the blue one. Yeah. And after I saw this, I was obsessed with the idea of having like a truck that that could carry you know, my stuff. And this, the reason they made it designed in this way was so that they could go very fast mm-hmm. to and from the races. So this thing actually goes on aerodynamic, which is pretty wild. Yeah, it is. It's a very cool truck. It wouldn't be a bad buy. I think you should do it. <laughs> Just got to pick up another car on the way. Right. You, oh, Steven, you buy that and get the Volvo on your way and then come up here. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe I'll no, I should get the uh the W116 that doesn't run. Right. Yeah, you could. But that, I could just pick that up for here anyway. Oh, that's by you, that's right. It is by me. It's in Cape Cod. What'd you oh. get right? My turn? Yeah, let's see. It. I picked something a little different. I had to avoid picking a 90s Ford because I was about to. So I picked a oh. 94 Ram with a Cummins and it's real drive, which is interesting. So this truck is fucking mint. It is clean. It's absurdly clean. So it's regular cab, uh, like standard bed, auto, unfortunately, but just like Look at that steering wheel, like nineties Kenwood. This is a very cool truck. It's yeah. in incredible condition. It's incredible condition. And I don't think the price is that insane. It's 12.9. It has 174K. So hmm. this is the first year of the platform. So obviously these 94 Ram, this was like, in our lifetime, I guess, this was like the most important truck, right? Like this is when trucks became modern. They designed this thing and it like, basically like, think of like truck douchery. And everyone being like, oh, big macho truck guy. Like, this started with this truck. Like, the whole aesthetic of it. It looks like a big rig. Um, but this was... To me, it looks like a Viper. Yeah, it looks like a Viper. It's a truck of the year by Motor Trend. 
in 90. Oh, really? So to so put this into perspective, how big of a deal this truck was. The platform was released in 94. In 93, it had 95K units of sales. 94, it spiked up to 232,000 units. 95, they sold 410,000 units. Wow. So uh, the rent, how did that compare to the other pickups at the time? I'm guessing the rent, I mean, if you compare this to the Ford and the GM offerings, this looks incredibly more modern than yeah, those cars. I believe it was much higher until the late 90s. Like once the late 90s rolled around, it started to get overtaken. Um, but it's a 5.9 Cummins, 12, 12 valve straight six, one of the best engines ever, two, 160 horsepower, 400 foot pounds of torque. And that's because an auto would be a little higher for his manual. Uh, I do know that the gassers of these, uh, from my experiences with friends growing up in high school and such, uh, had garbage transmissions. <laughs> they would shoot through transmissions, but I think this specific example, it's a little bit of a bummer. It's re-roll drive, but at the same time, it's kind of cool. But it is cool. But I mean, like it's. I love that rubber strip actually on the back of it. Me too. I, I don't I know what it is. The conditions it's in, it looks so good. All the plastic it, aged so well. It's insane. It looks like with the sticker on it, it looks like a brand new truck. With 170,000 miles. I, you know, I was thinking about this recently. Why is it that they build trucks so much tougher that you can put all these miles in use on them and they still look like good and have serviceable life whereas cars you know nine out of ten cars at 170 miles thousand miles look like they should you know be ready to explode you know so i mean you're not like scratching the underside of this car too often where you know a lower car you're curbing it and and you can't take the potholes as much you know there's better suspension on this and and it's a little bit of a marketing tool, right? Like people aren't buying a, a Corolla because, well, I guess people are buying a Corolla because it lasts at 300,000 miles, but other cars, like they're buying it because it's economical, it's comfortable, it's luxurious. They market this as a dependable, like you can drive up a mountain and your balls will get three times bigger and it'll last for 400,000 miles. Like, right. But no, I mean, most of these didn't. This is a particularly special example. I want to see the... Believe it or not, I, I'm going with you on this round, uh, which is shocking because I'm such a big fan of those yeah. Fords. This How is, could you uh, not? This thing's incredible. It is incredible. I want, to see the, I want to see the steering wheel again. What are the, the four buttons on the bottom of the steering wheel? I'm so curious about that. You have, oh, it's all cruise control. Oh, it's the worst cruise control I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that is a bad location. Look at the red line. It's at 3,000 RP. I know. Like, there's nowhere for that tack to go. Yeah, I mean, as much as I want me to win this round. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I win this one handily. I, I, I don't know. Are, do you have an unfair advantage? I mean, it's not that shocking that, uh, you know, in California, California your, your cars are this clean. Hey. I mean, that clean of a, a Ford in Connecticut in the Northeast is, like, mind-blowing. Hey, maybe yeah, you should move to California. I'll keep winning until you boys move to California. <laughs> hey, look, I won on the 280 SE. Yeah. So, so who wins? Is it uh, is it me on this one? 
Ross, Ross takes the first okay, round. That's sweet. All right, there, okay, so there is one car. I mentioned it earlier. I just want to show for good measure. Uh, I found this earlier because uh, it's on California Craigslist, but it's not in California, so I figured it would be cheating. Uh, there is a dealership that constantly advertises out here in Texas. Okay. This feels like a steal to me in an, a quality investment. Nineteen five for a first gen Lightning in this condition. I think this I actually like the later gen Lightning than this. Yeah, the later gen Lightnings are piece of shit that blew the spark plugs out of the heads though, because it had that shitty four four point or five point four or whatever. This is a great looking truck. I think that's very. This body style, the early 90s. Look at those seats. These look like done by Ricara. <laughs> I think this is a legitimately, I mean, maybe 19.5 is too much. I mean, considering you can get my car for 18.5 and then this for just a grand more. Yeah, but, but think of the people who go crazy about, like, oh, it's your point. This is a steal. Like, yeah, my point is this yeah. is a steal. Yeah, think of the people but who go the crazy about like rare American cars. How how much room do these have to? I have a difficult time with these pickups understanding how to value them. Okay. I think that a special one, a special edition one like this, could double in price in ten years. What's the not the typhoon? What's the other one? What's the cyclone? The cyclone. Because those have come up a lot in the last few yeah, years. Yeah, really? I think that's a perfect. I don't have a Haggerty account. Damn it. 21K. Okay, that's lower than I thought. I mean, I think they've gone for like, yeah, 25 plus. Yeah, but I better really clean. That's the kind of vehicle you have. Like, I don't know. I don't think this would be worth driving. This would be no, a you, collective vehicle. You would store it and hold it as is and resell in a few years I see this being worth an absurd amount of money the cyclones average value is 21 46 for a concourse concourse truck and then how about the uh the lightning like i would call this concourse or close to it yeah no because look at the rear bumper that can't be original the bars yeah i don't think that's original yeah you could replace it they say that the F-150 Lightning is a $10,000 average value. Are you serious? With the $24,000 at Concourse. So maybe it has some room to grow on the site. For the Lightning? Yeah. I'm wow. surprised they're so low. What's I'm the trend? Too. I sort of like the way this looks better than the Cyclone. Yeah, but the yeah. Cyclone had that engine. What was uh, the engine? It was a supercharged V6. Was it supercharged or turbocharged? There's a turbo V6. 4.3 I mean, liter. Yeah, okay. That's, I get it. <laughs> That's way cooler. I, I think the F-150 looks better. Well, guys, I would say this was a really fun chat. I really enjoyed this exercise. Yeah. So, you know, I think like most car guys out there, we all spend time looking at cars for sale and just, you know, dreaming of, of 
bringing them all to our own garage and getting to drive all the different options. Uh, while we can't necessarily always do that, this was a little fun for me because it put a bit of structure behind the search. Yeah, the context was nice. What's that? The context. Yeah, the context was nice. And it also made me want to like do a little research and learn some things. Whereas usually maybe I'll be less patient and just looking, cycling through lots of cars. I took a bit more time to think about what, what I was looking at. And, and, hmm. and that's kind of fun. So I hope that as we continue to do this, I hope everybody really enjoyed. And as we continue that we can bring some interesting information about the cars that we're, that we're talking yeah. about. And, and I'm sure that Autoholic has a couple listeners. Um, if you want to suggest any topics for us, like we will gladly take it. I think, Absolutely. I think like the perfect example was something like that seventies Americana under 15 K. Cause that's like that level of specificity that we need because like that easily could have turned into like a 1971 cars. Right. Yeah. 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 No, it was, it was a good suggestion, Ross. I think, you know, our creative director could put out a poll on Instagram to get, to get the opinions of our followers after we release this podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking things like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, it, it's tough because we live in very different markets. Like I hate to say it, but like there's a certain markets where I have an extreme advantage. I mean, all of them. Like everything oh. JDM. Yeah, I was thinking like it would be cool to be like vintage JDM, and I'm like, oh, no one. <laughs> I, I think we'd have to be very specific with the with the JDM, and I think we could find maybe a, a common ground or a niche. Well, I was thinking one would be a golden era Hondas find golden era yourself but i usually think like oh three and earlier oh yeah no I, that would be a great one and and the, the interesting thing though is i find that there's more available on the northeast than you might expect there. out of all categories the thing that impressed me the most was the was the plethora of 70s american cars yeah there, there were so many i had 10 or 15 cars open that was that were interesting to me you know it took yeah. a little while to narrow down to my el dorado so I do think that would be a great opportunity for our listeners to give us some 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 suggestions. There's so many cars in the world, like let's talk about them. Uh, one thing I was thinking would be uh, European obscure cars. So like Maserati Shimal, yeah, like Italians, uh, non Jaguar, non MG British cars, non or uh, I don't know, like French cars. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of cool categories, I think. So listeners should uh, tune in. We'll see what we do in the next uh, two weeks, what we come up with. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks for listening. This was uh, Shift Talkers. From the Autoholic. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs>